Welcome back, guys. I'm Kirk Moose, and this is Barry Clean. We're back with another Bishop in the Moose, and today we have a very special guest that both Barry and I have served in ministry together with, mainly in Peru, where we both have a very strong passion, and so does our special guest today. Barry, you've known him longer than me, so why don't you go ahead and introduce him today? Well, we are delighted to have Dr. Bobby Atkins with us from Truth Tabernacle of Praise in Atlanta, Georgia, a great church, and uh, he's a great friend, too. We both came to the Lord uh, within a month of each other, and then we went to school together, Bible college together, and then we've traveled around the world these many years. I've been in India and Africa and Brazil and Peru and Amazon, and uh, he's a he's a true brother. The Bible speaks about uh, friends that are born for adversity, and when you live life for a while, you learn the real true friends you have are there for the difficult times as well. And uh, we sure have forged a great friendship, and it's a it's an honor to have uh, Bobby on here with us today. I was going to say just a word at Truth Tabernacle of Praise. You can go to truthtabernacle.net, go to their website, but it's a great church in. Uh, uh, Atlanta that um, Bobby and Marie, his wife, uh, started, and uh, they have a tremendous ministry to our uh, outdoor friends, our homeless people uh, that are there. They feed them uh, every week, and it's just been a tremendous journey of uh, how they've been able to expand and grow in reaching that neglected group uh, of society. I'm so, so excited about that, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about spiritual warfare, and first, Bobby, I just want to welcome you. Uh, glad you could be with us on Bishop and Moose uh, this evening. Bishop and Moose, thank you so very much for getting to share this uh, ministry moment with you all, and I look forward to sharing and discussing this topic with you. Fantastic, Bobby. Uh, what we really want to talk about tonight is one of the uh, really big issues uh, that uh, is always a big issue, a very important part of our Christian faith. I know a lot of people ask me with my, my journey of how I came to the understanding of the fullness of the Holy Spirit of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the avenue was spiritual warfare. I mean, I had to learn spiritual warfare and under to learn spiritual warfare, I had to learn how to have some power in my life. But Bobby has always been such a great resource to me along the way for as God has brought him along in, in a way that he has helped so many people uh, in, in this area. And, and Bobby, just let's begin a little bit. And you just kind of give us, I mean, we could talk forever, but give us kind of a brief introduction of how you came into spiritual warfare uh, in your ministry. Uh, Bishop, uh, you will remember this, uh, this uh, ministry event that we went to. Uh, you called me one day at the spur of the moment. You were heading out of town with Pastor Ron uh, to go to a men's conference, and I invited myself to go with you. Uh, you had no idea why I was inviting myself to go with you. I just knew that I was in. I was pastoring a large, successful, uh, a thriving uh, church, but I was empty on the inside. I didn't know what the answer was because on every outward appearance, I had everything that you had. I had the credentials, I had the degrees, I had the uh, increasing attendance, but I knew I was empty inside. And when I went to that conference that night, something happened to me that didn't fit my theology. Uh, I got baptized with the Spirit. God wrecked me, messed me up, and filled me up and did a wonderful thing. I knew that wave after wave after wave of the glory of God came on me, but I had no idea what others would see and what others would sense. But when I got back to my church uh, for that Sunday and, and Monday, the first appointment that I had uh, was a demonized uh, church member, a, a church member that was suicidal and uh, said that she would not be alive for three more days. 
I don't know uh, how she knew three more days, but her family was in agreement with that. And so uh, I didn't know how to introduce the subject of spiritual warfare to a believer. I hemmed and I hauled, I spit, I spattered and stuttered. And finally, she came out and said, so pastor, you think I've got demons? <laughs> and I said, yeah, that, that's what you've got. You, you've got the problem with demons. And she said, well, let's get rid of them. And that uh, took me to a truth encounter to where in a course of uh, just a couple of hours, uh, the demons had manifest and she got set free and her mind became unlocked and she became a different person. Well, that, that starts a journey, too, and I know a journey we've been on uh, together, but uh, a journey of, of helping, uh, you know, so many people with that. And, uh, you know, I know both of us, when we were uh, at that stage, and so many pastors can give that testimony of uh, coming to that place where seminary, Bible college, didn't prepare them uh, to really help people like Jesus helped people and and uh, to know that in order to do that you got to have some power on your life so it went hand in hand with the fullness of the Holy Spirit and then moving into spiritual warfare what do you um, Bobby through the years um, what are some of the patterns maybe I've asked that you see uh, with people uh, that uh, you know are demonized and and how they will or will not reach out for help at different times you know what are, what are some of the patterns you see some of the, the some of the constants that are there along the way in ministering to people in the spiritual warfare area yeah yeah for me bishop i've I've discovered that um, most everybody that I deal with uh, I had to be dealt with <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that was either being unaware either being uneducated or being deceived as to what the nature of the problem is. If I'm not aware of what a demon can do to me, uh, then I won't know how to diagnose the symptoms that I'm presenting with as demonic. Or if I've been deceived into being uh, being taught, and that's where most people come in, because in our English translations of the Bible, the New Testament only primarily uses the word possessed. And so if we ask the wrong question, we'll come to the wrong conclusion. And so if we ask the question this way, uh, can a believer, a, a born-again child of God, be demon-possessed in the strictest and the, and the clearest understanding of possession? No, they cannot be. So then what does that leave me with? Well, if I go and I find out what the word actually means, it does not mean demon-possessed. As you all would know, it's the word diamondizomai. Mm-hmm. And it means to have a demon, or it means to have a demon-caused passivity of your personality or your nature. And once a demon has that kind of influence on my mind and on my soul, then it can uh, seize control over all kinds of things in my life. And so by and large, a lot of people don't know uh, to explore that as a possibility. And so my, my uh, uh, calendar is filled with people who are ready to be free. So I don't have time, per se, you know, to spend an un, an inorbit amount of time uh, trying to prove somebody their problem is a demon. So what I tell them is if a doctor can get rid of it, let him get rid of it. If, if discipleship, you know, will take care of it, get discipled. But what I've come to understand is you, you can't disciple a demon. You can't cast out the flesh. And so what you have to come to understand is demons have to be cast out. They don't go on their own. 
and uh, sanctification, you, you have to be discipled into that. So uh, if people can come to, to, to understand what a demon can do to a, to a believer, then they might be open to exploring, how do I get rid of this problem? You know, it's amazing how in our day that we have uh, uh, are such an educated people, and I'm speaking mainly of the church in the West and mainly in the United States, but such an educated people to so overlook the obvious of what Jesus did when he ministered and what is obviously in the scripture as a problem. And I know within in my uh, you know journey with this was that I was not able to help people. And I ended up referring them to psychiatrists and psychologists. And I thought, you know, Jesus didn't do that. He helped people. And then you start reading the, the Bible that's been in front of you that you've studied all those years, but you start seeing things that are so very plain uh, in front of you. You daughter of Israel that's been, uh, you know, uh, demonized all these years. You know, here was a, it was one that confessed. It was a covenant child of God, but that was demonized there. And, and uh, you know, that, that brought me to that place. And like you said, it's the, the day we got in trouble because life was a lot more simpler uh, then, but we didn't help anybody. But we're now getting in that position, you know, uh, uh, to, to do that very thing. I think that's the most incredible thing about spiritual warfare, and that was very clearly uh, uh, articulated by you there and getting people to see that. I, I'm at a point, Bobby, I don't know if you'd say this, but just when you get tired, I'm, I'm way beyond spending time educating people on spiritual warfare. We, we've moved so far beyond that. I said, if you want help, and if you're hungry enough to get help, you'll ask for it. Now, say a word, if you will, about how people that many times resisted you or even made fun of you as you moved into spiritual warfare came full circle and called you when they needed you. You know, speak, speak about that for a moment. Yeah, the, 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 the principle is the same, whether it's spiritual gifts, you know, the baptism with the Spirit, uh, or with spiritual warfare, uh, I have come to rest in the fact that I can't make somebody thirsty and I can't make somebody hungry. And if a person's not hungry and if they're not thirsty, they won't eat or drink. So if a person comes and uh, they're not hungry enough or they're not thirsty enough, then that'll be fine. I'll be geared, glad to share what I know and what my experience has been. But if you want to argue it, if you want them to debate it, then that's for somebody else. But what I have found is that desperate people, if they're drowning in the ocean, they won't debate on the, the method of you throwing the life preserver to them. They, they won't even care, you know, if the life preserver is up to code. They'll grab hold of that life raft and uh, they'll let you pull them into safety. And the same thing with demonized people. Now we need to uh, come to a, a my, my assessment, my, my conclusion after all these years of dealing with it, is that every person who gets born again needs to be delivered. I said that, I said that intentionally, and I said that accurately. If that wasn't the case, what would be the purpose of renewing your mind? Mm. That, that's the whole part of, of being uh, set free, is that if, if you don't renew your mind, you will not transform your life. And the problem with the church is uh, they believe what they believe, but they've never experienced what they say they believe. <laughs> truth that I don't experience will only make me more religious, but truth that I experience will transform me into the likeness of Jesus. So uh, many, many pastors, once they find out that you're into this, they might call you a ghostbuster 
They might make fun of you, call you a heretic, you know, call you a fanatic, uh, all, all of those things. I remember we, we uh, consistently would get the phone calls at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. And uh, frequently it was from pastors who didn't believe what we're discussing here. One in particular, my, my wife, she, she'd tell you this, is about 2.30 in the morning and the pastor called and he said, I, I'm, help me, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. I said, what's going on? He said, these demons have got, got us hostage and they won't let us go. And I said, 2.30 in the morning, I said, what? He said, yes, uh, he and his deacon had gone on a visitation. You remember the church visitation, you'd go get your cards and you'd go knock on doors. Anyway, uh, they went and uh, they were witnessing uh, to a man and his wife and all of a sudden, this, this woman, she manifests, a demonic uh, personality manifests through her and started commanding things to them. And they've been that way since 7.30 in the evening. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, uh, he said, man, they, they, they're, they're screaming at me. And you could hear them in the background, their voices uh, screaming. And I said, well, what is it that they're saying? They're saying, get off the phone with him. Get off the phone with him. Goodness. And uh, we know him. We know him. And I said, uh, so what are you doing? He said, I'm scared to death. I said, what's, what's your deacon doing? He said, he's twiddling his thumbs. Literally, he was <laughs> twiddling his thumbs, and he hadn't looked up ever since. And I said, well, where's your Bible? He said, it's on the coffee table. I said, well, pick it up. He said, they won't let me. I said, what do you mean they won't let you? He said, every time I reach for it, they tell me to get away from that. Don't you pick that up. And I said, we're going to stop this right here and now. I said, you say in the name of Jesus. And he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to silence. I command you to silence. And they got quiet. I said, now you pick the word of God up. And he picked the word of God up. And I said, now you proclaim the word of God and you tell the demon what his destiny is. And so uh, after the fact that that was funny, uh, he even uh, had called uh, after that and, and followed up. But those are kinds of things that routinely would happen uh, when, when it became real for somebody on, on a timetable, they weren't ready for. You know, it's interesting. Er, er, people, uh, they move in spiritual warfare, usually don't do it. Uh, and they get pulled into it or they get fo forced with a situation that they have to deal with. And there is nothing like that time. The very first time you encounter a demonic spirit and uh, it speaks or it does something that uh, it, it reveals itself. And uh, unlike you, I'm not the uh, the, uh, the strong faith. I, the first time I was in a mental institution with uh, uh, ministering to a lady. And when I heard that thing speak, it wasn't, you know, obviously not, uh, you know, Hollywood. There was no head swiveling around on the shoulders and all that stuff. But just the voice didn't agree with the spirit of God in me. And I knew who it was. I as being a bold man of God was looking for the, a new door to make on the way out of there. Cause I had scared it. It scared me in a way that it just jolted me into reality. And, you know, so many of us have done that. It's, it's almost funny. You go back and look at so many of the experiences of such a, a serious thing as spiritual warfare is and seeing people get free. And I mean, it's a life or death issue and has been on so many times, but when you go through all so many of these, just like we find in the Bible in the book of Acts, when you look back on them, there, there is almost a funny, nature about some of the things that that have, have taken place uh, uh, along the way but it, it's it's a it's just a powerful reality 
uh, to see people get set free as Jesus promoted it. One of the things you said there, Bobby, was about, you know, the reality of what you believe when you, if you experience it and obey it, it it's real. It's, it transforms you. You know, we, we've really worked into something here at the church where we have recognized that for almost all of our ministry, we have judged uh, the success of our ministry by participation, you know, we always say, well, we had 40 at youth group last night. We had 100 come to this event. And, we, oh, high five, boy, God's really moving. And so, really, we're just talking about how many people came. And we're not using the judge, the, the, the level of, of understanding of transformation rather than participation. And if you're going to be transformed, you're going to have to deal with the enemy and his, in his, uh, the thought process on, 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 on your, your life. Can you say a word about that, about how – you see the enemy working in our minds with strongholds and how sometimes, you know, uh, very undramatically, we can confront the truth, uh, the, confront the lie with the truth and be delivered of, of strongholds. Sometimes it's not even a dramatic thing as far as demons talking or anything. It's just getting set free by the truth against a lie. Speak, speak about that for a minute, if you will. Yeah, when we come to understand, you know, the nature of strongholds, it's simply the fortress of lies that an enemy hides behind to uh, control, manipulate, or influence our life. Uh, it's in our mind, it's in our soul, it's in what we think and what we feel, and what we think and feel is what we choose. Uh, for, for me, you, you, you know my history and my journey better than anybody, Barry. I came from the most conservative Baptist college and seminary that you could come, come from. This wasn't a possibility. This wasn't a theological possibility. Yes. And so I always knew, even pastoring during Bible college and seminary, there was a, a small remnant of the church, a local church, that the church couldn't help. You, you told, uh, spoke on it earlier about the ministry of referral. Now, every pastor needs to know when it's time to refer uh, to professionals, to, to some other discipline. Uh, but God didn't call the church to be a ministry of referrals. Amen. He called the church to be a ministry of transformation. And so it bothered me that there was a segment of the, of, of the church family, the church body, that the church couldn't help. Uh, you tell them to pray harder, nobody prayed harder. You tell them to pray more, nobody prayed more. You tell them to study more, nobody studied more. But they couldn't find that freedom. And I didn't have an answer for that. And then when I began to, to and encountered that first one that I was telling about with that spirit of suicide, the spirit of suicide wasn't the dominant spirit in her life. It was the spirit of pain. There was a secret in her life that she harbored for uh, 23 years. She could tell you to the day when she became depressed. She'd been through every self-help group, every uh, medicine that you could get. Nothing made her better. She got worse. Uh, what this was was a, was a spirit that identified itself as pain, and it held behind the lie. When we believe the lie, we empower the liar. And until we expose the liar, we can't dethrone the liar. And, and, and so this, this happens so, so many times in, in people's lives. And so for me, the possibility that a believer could be demonized to some degree, to some level, I had to change. And so what I did when I saw about five of these manifestations and dramatic uh, uh, deliverances, and you, you would know me, uh, you, you'd think I'm from, from uh, Missouri, I have to show me. And you have to show me the truth. You have to show it to me in the word. Uh, it, or I'm not going to believe it and, and utilize it. Well, I, I had seen about five of these dramatic, uh, bizarre manifestations and deliverances. So I called my, my most respected professors 
uh, from my Bible college. Those are on my orals committee, uh, uh, part of graduation. And I told them, I'm looking for somebody to tell me I'm crazy or to validate what I've experienced as a pastor. And honestly, after what I've been through recently here, telling somebody telling me I'm crazy might be a better option. <laughs> and, and so I, I explained to them like that. And if I called their names, uh, Bishop, you would know who they were. Every one of them said, you're not crazy. You're exactly right. And I asked them, almost exasperated, why in the world wouldn't you all equip us for this uh, at the best college and the best seminary uh, that, that you can have? And, you know, basically we're handcuffed. We, we can't uh, by, by edict. It's just not acceptable, but it's true in the kingdom. And, and so that, that's been, been my experience with, with that over the years to see that and to experience that. And, but the church is growing towards that, but the more sophisticated we get, uh, the more we want to turn to the pills, and I'm not against pills, the more we want to turn to the psychologist, I'm not against psychologists. But like I said earlier, uh, if, if a medicine will take care of your problem, take the medicine. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about in those uh, areas of your life to where medicine won't cure it, psychology and counseling won't do it, and you just know there's a measure of defeat in your life that... Uh, that Christ hasn't set you free from yet. And it could be the stronghold, the demon hides behind that. And until you believe that these things are biblically uh, true, uh, the stronghold will stand tall and the enemy will stand behind it and launches attack against you. Well, if we're going to have to put a bow in this particular session at the moment, but guys, don't fret. We're going to mm -hmm. have another episode and Pastor Bobby's going to join us again on this next episode. But we want to thank you for joining us today, and we want to thank Pastor Bobby for joining us during this session as well. Please go to his website for his church, ttop.net, that is ttop.net, and check out more of the resources that Pastor Bobby has to offer. He has many of his sermons online where you can check it out, and we are so uh, honored to being able to be able to serve in different capacities with Pastor Bobby, and we look forward to the next session. Don't forget, you can check out the Bishop and Moose on podcast. It releases every Saturday, and uh, we'll see you next episode. God bless. God bless you. Thank you very much.